0: All right, Libby, it's time for this next episode to get underway. So I think we need to put one on the books. Let's schedule this.
1: Let me get out my uh, my planner.
0: Okay, uh, I really would love to do this um, Tuesday night. Are you available then?
1: Mm, I've I've got class.
0: Okay, well, yeah, that's fine. Uh, how about how about Thursday?
1: Got class.
0: All right. Well, uh, Saturday. That's the weekend.
1: No, I've actually got another class.
0: Oh my god. Okay. Well, you know what? Just. Call me when you've got no class, okay? Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is your movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host Libby Cudmore. Libby, happy back-to-school season.
1: Yes, indeed. I definitely leaned into back-to-school shopping, like maybe just a little bit too hard, but <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm feeling it. I'm into it.
0: You got to get those deals on notebooks while you can. I get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, no, I need new pants. It's back to school.
0: Yeah. I mean, wow. it's, it's a season of renewal and, and fresh starts. So what, what better way to celebrate than uh, with tonight's episode on the film Back to School? Yeah, it's
1: 1986. Back to yeah. school, the Rodney Dangerfield classic. I feel like there are two kinds of Rodney Dangerfield people. There's Caddyshack and Back to School, and I'm definitely Back to School.
0: I'm very Back to School. I've tried Caddyshack, and I cannot. I just cannot get on that wavelength.
1: Yeah, it's okay, but it's like it's it's not for me.
0: No, and that's so. fine. That's fine. Yeah. Well, Libby, it's been a, a hot second since we've had a show together. So, uh, anything yes. interesting, exciting happened while you, we've been gone?
1: Well, as I posted on the OST party in uh, Twitter, I finally made it to Oklahoma City to visit family and my sister, Sean, and I went to wheeze the juice in downtown OKC.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was great. Uh, I got it was called the Fox Mulder it was mine. It had way too much pineapple in it. So I think I'm finally starting to get like taste back in my mouth.
0: Oh, wow. After yeah. it
1: just. Exfoliated away my taste buds and the lining of my cheeks, and but it was it was good. She got the be kind rewind, and then she also uh, munched some grindage.
0: Excellent, Man. excellent. Did you get to wheeze the juice though?
1: I did not get to wheeze the juice. There wasn't a place to wheeze the juice, but I did oh. go to Seven Eleven, and they they had all the the ices, and they had the Dr Pepper icy, and in my brain I thought. Oh, wheeze the juice (laughs) but i also heard no wheezing the juice Mm. in in the back of my head but we also uh, proceeded to torture my mom by doing the weasel oh no (laughs) went as often as we could
0: i'm sure i'm sure your mom absolutely loves that uh,
1: she was just like oh god (laughs) no
0: what is wrong with my children
1: (laughs) was exactly like i thought (laughs) i thought it ended with sean but i got on the uh Polly shore train Heck so yeah. it was it was a good time if you're <laughs> ever in downtown oklahoma city please stop by Weeze the juice uh they they make incredible fresh squeezed juices it's the space isn't as interesting as i would have thought they didn't quite fully lean into the 90s aesthetic it's a little bare bones um maybe they're going to fix that in the future it's not really like instagram worthy i would say but um,
0: I imagine they're trying to think of the people who aren't like intimately familiar with Poly Shore and just want uh, a fun smoothie, you yeah, know,
1: then they probably shouldn't name it wheeze the juice.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Um, but yeah, if you're there, uh, get the, uh, the Fox molder. I would have gone with the banana Nicole Smith, but it was made <laughs> with Greek yogurt and it was 105 degrees. And I just was Ooh, not feeling yeah. something that heavy.
0: No, you don't want that on a hot day. Absolutely, oh, not.
1: it was boiling while I was out there. What about you, Joe? What's new with you?
0: Ah, uh, well, Nikki and I went to the Outer Banks for Labor Day weekend. Got engaged.
1: Congratulations, Muscle Tom! Thank
0: you, thank you. So, it's very exciting.
1: You're so uh, lucky to be marrying the woman who coined the term "boos." I really am.
0: It's it's yeah. it's, it's it's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift to myself but no we're, we're very excited we don't have any plans as of yet but uh you know in all in good time Us. but i do yeah, want m- to mention uh while we were out there we uh got, got engaged on uh cape lookout island which is one of the the um, lighthouses on the outer banks in north carolina mm-hmm. and we on the boat ride back The captain told us that we had to stop at the food truck in the parking lot because it was the best food on the island. And we were like, well, if he says so, sure. And we stop at this food truck and the food truck. I'm not making this up. is called Shark Island Eats.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And I you know me. I had to ask if they were related to the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Band Shark Island of course they weren't but i had to ask
1: (laughs) (laughs) they probably because the only other shark island out there is like the nazi camp
0: that's true
1: (laughs) (laughs) you should lean into the bill and ted
0: well the the food truck did have a i I tried to get a good picture of it a very uh radical shark eating a taco on the front so (laughs) i think they awesome i think they knew
1: they yeah that is but
0: uh the, that's so he, great he was not lying the shrimp tacos were like the best thing we'd ever had oh <laughs> this food truck get the decatur your lot. wedding i know that would be amazing people would be so confused but we would <laughs> know go, they're
1: just really good tacos
0: they just make really good tacos yeah, yeah you and i would know we would like, know. Hey,
1: shark island so
0: now mm-hmm. i'm on the lookout if anybody out there has like a rhino bucket themed food truck let me know i will eat at your food truck
1: eat your rhino bucket (laughs) has to be something that comes in a bucket like popcorn shrimp or something
0: and you know even when even as i was taking the picture of the food truck nikki was like why are you taking the picture of this i was like i'll explain later i did not explain it to her
1: (laughs) (laughs) now you know nikki you're listening to this podcast
0: yeah if you've if you've been a lifelong listener (laughs) the real ones will know
1: yes well congratulations Lord. very 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 happy
0: thank you all. thank you it's exciting exciting so yeah i mean between the two of us we've had a pretty pretty busy month
1: smoothie getting engaged they're basically the same thing <laughs> you, know, in a, you
0: know in a sense you know yeah
1: celebrating the love of movie soundtracks out in the world
0: <laughs> well before we do talk about uh, uh back to school tonight we have to talk about the poll from our last episode about Pee Wee herman
1: mm. r.i.p to a real one
0: to a true American hero. Uh, we picked our four favorite Pee-wee tracks. Uh, or Pee-wee adjacent tracks. And we asked you to vote on which one was the best. Uh, on Twitter. Because Blue Sky doesn't have poll feature yet. As far as I know. Uh, but 54.5% of you said that Tequila was the best Pee-wee track. And I can't disagree.
1: Yes, I did. I bought big shoes while I was out in Oklahoma.
0: Oh, nice. So,
1: And I definitely did a big shoe dance for my mom.
0: Oh, dance one for Pee-Wee. Yep. Well, uh, 18% of the vote uh, tied for second place, uh, the luckiest boy in the world and the breakfast machine song. And third place with 9% was Pee-Wee's version of Surf and Bird.
1: The more I love.
0: It's really great, but it is just inscrutable. Like, why does this exist?
1: (laughs) It's so surreal, but like, I'm sort of into it
0: but like nobody belts but peewee could have done that
1: yeah exactly
0: you know? and that's why we love him so much so now let's get to back to school a movie that i have had not seen before until this episode oh wow it's just you know one of those 80s movies that kind of passed me by i i don't know how i feel about it <laughs> obviously yeah. rodney dangerfield is great and hilarious but the movie itself, it's okay.
1: Oh, I thought it was great. Okay. I love this movie. All right. Um, I think it was, this was one of those things. Rodney Dangerfield, for me, was one of those comedians that my dad loved and would quote bits mm-hmm. to us as kids. But I never knew they were Rodney Dangerfield until so much later.
0: Oh, and you realize, like, oh, dad's been doing Rodney jokes forever.
1: Yeah, like he would say, you know, at, at back to school time, he'd say stuff like, oh, I was never good in school. I used, used a uh, black magic marker as a highlighter, <laughs> you know, things like that. I'm misquoting right. Rodney Dangerfield, of course, but um, uh-huh. but yeah, my dad would always have a Rodney Dangerfield quip
0: right and and with like, back to school it very much is like you know you have your your traditional sort of uh college student comedy film and rodney dangerfield is just going to run roughshod over all of it yes, like you've got the formula so. and he's going to just destroy it <laughs>
1: he's
0: and just gonna rodney
1: dangerfield all over it it's great
0: exactly and he's great and like my feeling is anytime Roddy dangerfield is not on screen in this movie the movie moves at warp speed to get him back in the film
1: He carries the whole thing.
0: He really carries it because I'll tell you this right now: a young Robert Downey Jr. uh, not cutting it.
1: No, (laughs) which is too bad because he's he's super handsome. He's exactly the kind of boy I would have been in love with in college, even though he is insufferable, as Mm we'll get to. But
0: so cute. And and we'll we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, But first. Let's go to the billboarding school. So, surprisingly, there really isn't any billboarding school for back to school. In fact, the only artist on the entire soundtrack who was on the charts when this movie came out was Aretha Franklin. Uh, whose album Who's Zoomin' Who was at number 147 uh, the week this film came hit the, the week this film hit theaters me Uh, yeah
1: just because obviously uh dead man's party was such a classic song but to hear it didn't make the charts at this time it did it ever chart as a single
0: i don't think it did i don't think the single dead man's party charted so that would have been the big single for the album so i think that not charting made the album not chart? It's
1: wild. I mean, because that album came out in 1985, so that song was already known, but that it didn't even chart then, because it's really what we think of when we think of Oingo Boingo. It's either that yeah. or weird science.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, that's, and, wow. and, and too, like, they waited until Back to School came out to cut a music video for it, so that may have had something to do with it as well. But I'm not sure. But
1: then you you would have think that having it in rotation would have, you know, bumped it up. It would have been playing a lot on MTV. Right. So yeah. it would have boosted sales. Huh. It's That's just, wild.
0: It's just an odd. Yeah. Like you would have thought this would have been a bigger hit, but just no, it, it wasn't. Uh, Aretha Franklin hit number three on the charts with Freeway of Love uh, from this album, which was a hit in 1985. So, like, it was kind of like the tail end of that album cycle for her. Uh, but then, m- meanwhile, Rodney Dangerfield, in 1983, had a Billboard Hot 100 single with Rappin' Rodney.
1: Yes, which, which I have.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> which hit number 83 on the Hot 100, which that still, that blows my mind.
1: It's, uh, have you heard it?
0: I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really video. just, like,
1: his jokes over... Some backup singers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's it's a delightful little piece of early '90s. I don't want to say hip hop. I mean, I guess technically it is. But when everything was trying to do hip hop, like you'd have like Mickey Mouse doing hip hop.
0: Yeah, right. When
1: everyone is just trying to jump onto this new train, and they're like sure, why not Rodney Dangerfield? It's very weird and funny and uh, just such a such a strange. Such a strange piece of music.
0: It's just, 83 seems so early for that, you know? does. Because, well. like, in my head, I think I think of, like, the Beastie Boys and Anthrax in, like, 86, 87. This predates that for, you know, by a number of years. But the reason I'm bringing up Rappin' Rodney is because the director of that video, Alan Metter, is the director of this film. That tracks. So that tracks, yeah. Now, I want to tell you about Alan Metter a little bit. Um, got his start working... In music videos, he was one of one of those handful of guys kind of like um, Steve Barron and, uh, you know, Francis Lawrence, those Russell Mulcahy, who just created the MTV music video look. Right. He directed a handful of videos for Olivia newton john uh, and, and specifically he made the making of documentary for Xanadu. Nice. So, you know, credentials. Uh, he then he did Rap and Rodney. And after that was his first feature film, which was Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Which, okay. which, if you've ever seen that, it's basically Dirty Dancing. It's it's kind of charming. I, I don't I don't mind it.
1: Just weird because it must predate Dirty Dancing.
0: It does, but like Dirty Dancing stole all of this movie's moves. Good. It's yeah yeah. Um, and then of course the next film after that was Back to School. You know we got Back to School out of him, so thank you, Alan Metter i um, the Lord's work. You've done the Lord's work. And we'll always have that.
1: We'll always have unnamed college. <laughs>
0: yeah. Some college somewhere. Last thing I want to say about billboarding school is that back to school made $91 million on an 11 million budget. Uh, it, It's opening weekend. It was number one at the box office. Hell yeah. Beating out. Okay. Number two was Ferris Bueller's day off. So that's a pretty big get for Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wow. Uh,
1: Summer Ferris Bueller, which I watched while heavily sedated. Oh, wow. When I was 10 years old, I, I had to stay overnight at the hospital after uh, a surgery. I remember watching Ferris Bueller stay off. Oh, my sedated.
0: God. Uh, number three, which had been number one until Ferris Bueller and back to school knocked it off. Top Gun. What? Yeah. But yeah, so Back to School was a pretty big hit at the box office, so again, it's kind of weird that the soundtrack didn't chart, like, at all.
1: Yeah, that blows my mind, especially again with that Oingo Boingo
0: track. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Libby, tell us a little bit about Back to School.
1: Back to School follows Thornton Mellon. I... Uh, A sort of brash, larger-than-life, but extremely successful businessman who has 150 of his tall and fat stores across (laughs) the country. Um, He did not go to college, despite his father telling him that he should. But now his son is in college and is threatening to quit. He's worried that he's being a failure. So Thornton goes to college with him to prove that he can do it. Uh, and sort of
0: encourage his son Jason. Because if there's anything we've learned from rich people is that they are allowed to do anything.
1: Pretty much, and this this movie proves that and has that as a point.
0: But it's also very tongue in cheek about it too. Like it it knows that like the the whole uh, you know privileged rich guy angle is kind of dumb, so it it takes it as far as it possibly can. Mm-hmm. So it, it it never really. It never reaches the 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 point of being like, oh, we need to make fun of you know rich people. The rich people are already the joke in this. It's it's the stuffy intellectuals that are the the, the targets here. <laughs> as as we'll see very soon, the the, yes. the the stuffy British professors at this very midwestern college. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: an anti-intellectualism beat yeah that i don't love i get and like half approve of but also i'm like i i guess because we're living in a very anti-intellectual age like makes me a little nervous
0: it's a little uh little squishy there but
1: but i'm also bringing my contemporary bias to it and i recognize that this is um again a one of those like Colleges for nerds, like be cool films that were popular in the 80s. So I just have to like meet it at its level.
0: Right. And, it, and it's it's still it's playing off of that old stereotype that college is like stuffy and professional and all that crap. So, yeah. I mean, even back then they were kind of taking the taking the piss out of it. So I'm OK with that. I'm fine with it. Uh, one thing I noticed right away, uh, the school, the campus uh, here, it's what is it called? It's. um grand lakes university the grand lakes university hooters yes which in in reality is the university of wisconsin at madison a school that i once upon a time applied to to attend and was rejected
1: and uh i believe that's where the onion started
0: i think so yeah Mm. Uh, my my uh film professors in undergrad came from there so they tried to put in a good word for me didn't take apparently so oh well Oh well, but anyway, I, I got a, a lovely look at the campus in this film.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the closest I'll ever get. So, uh, the first thing we see in this film, though, is a very young Jason Hervey from Pee-wee's Big Adventure.
1: Yes, and is, the Wonder Years, also.
0: And the Wonder Years, yeah, the older brother in the Wonder Years, but he's playing uh, Thornton Mil- Thornton Maloney as his his I guess birth name as a young as a young boy. And his dad is telling him that, you know, you need an education if you're going to be a man, if you're going to be a, a successful businessman. And then we see this opening credit montage where that poor kid grows up into Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> and at some point, I it, I noticed that he turned his, I guess, Maloney is an Italian name, I'm guessing.
1: It's, it sounds very Jewish.
0: Maybe so, yeah. Yeah. yeah but he, he anglicizes it to Mellon, which will, you know, a lot of businessmen had to do. Uh, Chef Boyardee had to do it himself. He, yeah, his, his store, his chain of, like, was big and fat, tall and fat. Tall and fat. Yeah. <laughs> where he has the the great one-liner, if you want to look thin, hang out with fat people.
1: There's, that's where you first get, you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Because there's just, like, his bits right. in there. <laughs> uh, the one they got me was, um, we've got miles of fabric. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just going back to the credits. It had been a while since I saw this, so I knew that Robert Downey Jr. was in it, but I also forgot that William Zabka was in it.
0: Yeah, you find that out real quick.
1: Yes. (laughs) He's
0: the the bully of the film. Congratulations, Billy Zabka. You're back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Johnny Lawrence. Oh, my gosh. Um, And also, I knew, obviously, that Oingo Boingo was in the film, but did not realize that Danny Elfman did the score, and then as I'm listening to those big strings, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that tracks. (laughs) right we'll talk a little bit about that later
0: and i also noticed that uh in the producer's credits there's chuck russell who you know produced or directed the mask so oh god another <laughs> little connection in there
1: yes this is like an ost party reunion before, absolutely uh ost party was a thing
0: it, it, yeah very much so Yes. But uh, so oh. the, the reason the reason Thornton comes to, to his son's college is because he catches his wife cheating on him with Robert fucking Picardo, of all people.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, Gremlins, too. Yeah.
0: Gremlins, too. Is Robert Picardo. And it's I mean, also, his wife is Adrian Barbeau, which right there, like, what the hell? How did they get these people? But he catches his wife cheating on him, kicks her out and decides, you know what? Let's just you know pack our bags. We're going to see my son for college, and his driver yeah. is, is Burt Young from the Rocky movies, which might be my favorite character in the entire film.
1: Oh, Lou is great, Lou but is um, it makes a point to show that even though he's extremely wealthy, um, he still drinks canned beer. He makes a big sandwich out of hors d'oeuvres, like he's he doesn't like fit in with the elite life. Right. He's just a hardworking man. Which I like this idea that he did build himself up from nothing. Um,
2: right, mostly as we find
1: that. out later from, you know, kickbacks and things. I also appreciated that his entire staff um, were like larger people. Like he wasn't surrounded by like what we picture when we see like TV, like what TV people think of executives. Right. They were all yeah. people that looked like him. So there is a certain amount of body positivity in mm. this cast. Yeah,
0: it's, it's one of those like... One Of those things, like you know, I, I like the company so much, I got a job working for him, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, so he, and he and points he's out to all hire the people. Those people, so yeah,
1: yeah, and he points out all the people who he sold pants to exactly. throughout the years. Um, so you know, Rodney Dangerfield definitely uh, had a, a streak of body positivity, yeah. He, 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 he's showing now. us
0: every different way that he's a man of the people, yes, and wow. so he. He and Lou pack their bags and they go up to the college, and the first song on our soundtrack plays. It's uh, "Back to School" by Jude Cole.
1: Go to a I'll
2: be there when you get.
1: This one I ended up liking a lot the more I thought about it because it starts out as like kind of fun but somewhat generic 80s like arena rock Mm -hmm. like a little bit of hard rock in there but definitely for like belting out in an arena yeah the vocals as you can hear like a little fuzz but the chorus gets a little brighter and it's something more of a romantic ballad it like makes that switch into the chorus which Made a lot more sense when I realized that Jude Cole, after not really having any major major hits as a singer and a songwriter, ended up being the manager, producer, and co writer of a lot of tunes for the band Lifehouse.
0: Oh Jesus Christ!
1: For for like all that like hard rock and romantic ballad stuff that he does, like that's what they do. Um. He wrote "You and Me," which is an absolute molasses flood of a song. I hate that song, and I I kind of like low key love Lifehouse. I think "Hanging by a Moment" is one of the greatest rock songs of the early aughts. Um,
0: Jason but... Wade can go fuck himself. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, what's wrong with Lifehouse?
0: Why should I have to change my name? He's the one who sucks. I'll oh, I will damn. refrain from saying any more bad things about Lifehouse. I'm sorry. Oh, I want to hear him. No, that's all I got. I just don't like that the guy's got my same name. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's fair. But, uh, yeah, this song, Back to School, goes, like, pretty goddamn hard.
0: Oh, yeah, it does.
1: I really like it.
0: Like, I, I kind of get the feeling that at some point they heard the Oingo Boingo song, and they were like, oh, that's on the soundtrack? We got we to gotta Oingo Boingo it up. So it's like a step or two below that, but it's in the same ballpark.
1: Yeah, we still got to go hard. Um, Jude Cole also... Uh, contributed the first impression to the Karate Kid 3 soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So we got to get that guy on Cobra Kai.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like, What what season are we on with Cobra Kai now? I lost Seven cry. or eight? It's,
1: <laughs> it's going to be the last
0: season. It's about time. There's
1: still time. We got Jude Cole on the soundtrack.
0: Hell, put him in the show. They put everybody else in the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't mean to be mean to this guy. I just <laughs> it's it's fun. Anyway. It's a
1: house connection. You're just like now you are my mortal enemy. This yeah, podcast much. does need, we, we are shopping for a new nemesis on this podcast.
0: It is true. Um, yeah, Michael Bublé can only go so far.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it might it might be maybe uh, Jude Cole. No, I I won't let that happen. I'm going to protect him with my life. Um... <laughs> 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 Although I think in my head I kept getting him mixed up with Julian Cope. Who is definitely not this guy?
0: <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at Jude Cole's Wikipedia, or Wikipedia page, and apparently his sister-in-law is Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. So good for him! Oh yeah, okay. I, right I, right I take in... <laughs> I take back a little bit of what I said. Good for him.
1: That's right, like hard rock and ballads lands you, Michelle Pfeiffer's little sister.
0: Sure, why not? Go for it. Go for it, dude. So where were we?
1: <laughs> oh. They arrive at the school.
0: (laughs) They do. They arrive at the school. He's talking to his son about, uh, you know, why his son wants to quit college because he's not doing well and he can't make it on the the diving team.
1: Has he tried turning into a werewolf? Yeah,
0: (laughs) I thought about that. Like, this is almost Teen Wolf 2, (laughs) a year before Teen Wolf 2.
1: Oh, my God. This would have been a better Teen Wolf. (laughs) I mean, right down to the Oingo Boingo on the soundtrack. Like, this would have been a better Teen Wolf, too. was if,
0: if Jason, he, like, freaks out and turns into Rodney Dangerfield.
1: If it turns out Rodney Dangerfield is also a werewolf and joins his son at the college and his son becomes a werewolf on the swim team. Because he know, could, like, doggy paddle. Oh. But really fast.
0: And you know, in, the sh- in the in the locker room, it could be like, God, what stinks in here? It smells like a wet dog.
1: And then it'd be,
0: and it'd be Jason. Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> And you know speaking of t- of uh, Teen Wolf 2 I I I thought about uh who do you want to be by Ongo Bongo like watching this movie like that song would fit perfectly here uh, You know
1: but I know it was wasted in uh in Teen Wolf
0: 2 Teen Wolf er- everything was wasted in Teen Wolf 2 God <laughs> But uh uh Thornton meets, you know, meets his son and they they have this conversation about why he wants to quit school and it's about this time that he meets his son's roommate who is whose name I forget already.
1: It's Derek.
0: Derek. And Derek ha- it shows up with red and blue streaks in his hair and this is a very young Robert Downey Jr.
1: Yes, he is maximum Derek.
0: Maximum Derek, fresh off of his one year stint on Saturday Night Live Robert Downey Jr.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And he is playing the ducky role where he's just like the kooky best friend who wears a hat. Oh, has yeah. Cool hair and weird clothes. I would have absolutely been in love with him.
0: He, yeah, he he would have absolutely been my best friend and I would have been kind of uh, uncomfortable with it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thornton makes a deal with his sons: Like, you know, if you promise not to drop out, I will go to school with you to prove that, you know, I can get an education. That educations are important. Mm-hmm. And he does this by donating a whole bunch of money to the Dean of the school. Who's played by Ned Beatty to do, to build a new school, a new business school named after him, of course. Yes. And this does not sit well with the, uh, head, the, the lead was it? The, the professor who's heading up the business school, um, uh, who is going to be, I guess the villain of this film.
1: Yes. That's, um, Paxton Whitehead who, um, actually just passed away this june we oh, lost man. uh two people involved in this film uh this year
0: the professor i guess dr the bar dr barbe is his name barbe barbie whatever we'll call him barbie for this and he's 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 not just he's just not uh not down with melon just buying his way into college he's that's not how we do things around here
1: and like i gotta kind of side with him a little bit i mean he's being a jerk about it he's not wrong what? Yeah, but it's like, yeah, we probably... I mean, but the thing is, is that as as we've discovered in this whole um, affirmative action horseshit that came down from the Supreme Court, I mean, people have always bought their way into school. Right. Always. I, like, if you're rich, you can buy your way into school. It's just how it goes. So his being indignant about it is like, have you ever been to a college? Like, you know, do you really think that any college, like, accepted a single person with the last name Trump. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: Do you really believe he got into college like on his own merit? No.
0: But I mean, two. I realize this movie needs a villain and like, sure. If, if he's, if Rodney Dangerfield is going to go to college, the villain might as well be the teacher trying to teach him stuff.
1: Yeah. So the like not a teacher, uh, Rodney Dangerfield has always excelled in the slobs versus snobs genre. That's right. what he does.
0: So th- there's no sense in like, in like, looking at it under a microscope it's just this is what it is This is what we're doing here to
1: meet, we have to meet this film where it is <laughs>
0: exactly i do love the next scene though where his son and derek are buying their textbooks and he doesn't like the fact that they're used textbooks because like what's the fun in that he wants them to be yeah, like new how do you textbooks? know
1: the person isn't uh the person who did all the underlining isn't a psycho
0: right but, but his son's his son's point is like very valid. And I think I kind of I did this, too, in college. Like you buy the used textbooks because somebody may or may not have already highlighted the important information.
1: Uh, see, I never had uh, used textbooks because it was they always wanted us to have like the most recent edition. Mm. So,
0: well, well a, lot, a lot of my classes, you know, were like literature classes. So the the novels and stuff, <laughs> there, there's really no getting around updating those. Well,
1: we would have to do the ones that like the professor wrote the intro to.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And this was in the days before Amazon two-day shipping.
0: True. Yeah.
1: So, I'm um...
0: <laughs> but I do I do love uh Thornton's line here where he's like he he buys them new books and then he decides, you know, hey, you know what? It's on me, Shakespeare for everybody.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's the thing is like despite, you know, that he's super wealthy. He very much is and remains throughout a man of the people. And that's what sets him apart from mm-hmm. what he sees as the elite.
0: He's yeah, because he's not he's ag- taking
1: care of his people. Exactly.
0: He's not against using his money for other people, which is kind of refreshing to be honest. Not to mention in the next scene where he, he turns Jason's dorm room into like a swanky loft apartment.
1: Mm-hmm. They each is, have their own entry door,
0: which is hilarious. I kind of love that.
1: Makes a point to tip the workers, yeah, extra, and says, "You know, go have a party for yourself."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he takes care of of the people who he sees as people who made him
0: right. He takes care of his people, and his people turns out to be pretty much everybody, the people.
1: I, I liked that. I liked seeing him be you know super kind to everybody. Yeah,
0: like he he's a he's a gruff. Uh, asshole but you know what he he's he's good people Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you you can
0: you can always see a a good egg in there there, that's a good egg right there but um then we get into the classes themselves and his first business class does not go well because he's butting heads with the professor the professor's trying to like set up this scenario of like this is how we're going to run a business all of like the facts and the data and the numbers and then Thornton just throws it back at him like he's got all the real world logistical issues like, well, you got to pay this guy off first. You got to pay the, the truck driver off first. Then you got to go to the mayor's office and pay him the, pay this person.
1: And yeah. also, you know, he says, you know thinking about long term, like waste management. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of businesses come and go on Main Streets. And you just because you have an idea for a business doesn't mean you have the long term practical knowledge. Of how to run one.
2: No, yeah. And this is a
1: guy who has 150 stores that he built from nothing. So they should be taking advice from him.
0: Right. And the professor just blows it off because, like, oh, well, that's not how we do business. That's how people do business, my dude. (laughs) I hate to tell you this.
1: Absolutely. Um, I've, I've watched it. I mean, maybe not with the mob involved, but... Well, no, no. There's definitely, you know, being nice to City Hall gets you places. Um, he could go do without the, uh, the slur though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate.
1: That was was one of the few moments in this that made me go like, Ooh. And again, it was, it's an eighties movie. It's showing that, you know, he, Oh, he's gruff. Um, but it was, it was not unnoticed.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, and then we move on right to the next scene the uh the contemporary american history scene with professor professor sam Kennison
2: <laughs>
0: and i have i just have to say like i'm a few years too young to really care about sam Kennison i don't get the point i don't get him so it's well uh, it's just screaming not...
1: <laughs> yes just screaming. he's He's not one of my favorite comedians, but it's one of those like for the audience that this was playing to, that would that that's a great get for him. Oh yeah. So um it's definitely like a, it passed over my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um I also had a poetry professor who was a Vietnam vet. And he didn't scream, he would just blank out at times. Oh god. Or just like show up like late and rumpled, and he was definitely struggling with some of that. Um, so I kind of related a little bit to this scene, which is, like it's tough. I felt for the guy.
0: He like the, was like the professor's trying to to basically force his view of history onto you, or something like that. Well, this
1: uh, this was a poetry professor, oh. so but definitely someone who's been very shell-shocked he just took it in a different direction than right. sam kenison but um i did think that um thornton's meet crazy with crazy mm-hmm. uh worked well for him
0: it did because like sam kenison just smiles and she's like i like you <laughs> <laughs> and i know that like in real life kenison and, and uh Ronnie dangerfield kind of they, they were I don't know how much of a how much buddies they were but they were professional, you know, buddies and that was his guy. So, yeah. Helping a guy out, that's great. <laughs> um but then
1: yeah, we meet the final teacher. Um he was played by Sally Kellerman, the original Hot Lips Houlihan.
0: <laughs> yeah, Di- uh Dr. Diane I think he calls her. And she's she was it she reads to them at the at the beginning Read some James Joyce. And Joyce, it's super it. erotic. It's, it really is. And Rodney Dangerfield is immediately smitten with her.
1: We get um, one of his classic jokes. Actually, I'd like to join you, but I have class tonight.
2: How about tomorrow night? I have class then too. I'll tell you what. Then why don't you call me some time when you have no class?
1: <laughs> my dad says that line all the time. <laughs> so it's a good line. My dad, yeah, has always said, "Call me when you got no class." so it's funny because like i'm sort of looking at this i wouldn't say in a different light but i'm actually teaching this semester Mm -hmm. um i'm teaching an intro course and like (laughs) i was like looking at her classroom setup like she's got a podium like man that is a way nicer classroom setup than i've ever had (laughs) like that's fancy i've got a chalkboard
0: if you want a podium i can give you a podium.
1: Amazing. I know I could probably get a podium. I know a guy, but I'm well, yeah. And like her, her big look, like her big scarf looks like she definitely, she dresses a lot like my grandmother Rivka did when she was a professor. Ah, yeah. Like the scarf tucked into the belt and the like belted sweater (laughs) and the long skirt with the boots. Like, is that what those, is that what the kids called dark academia?
0: Well, we finally get to our second song because it's been very, a long time between the first and second songs here. Uh, Thornton and Lou are at a, a college bar, and they invite a couple of girls to have a drink with them a, in a, a booth, which I'm very uncomfortable with all, all right away. Yes, but uh, the song "Educated Girl" is playing, yes. so let's go to a club.
1: comes from uh, Bobby Caldwell mm-hmm. um, and Randy Goodrum co-wrote this one, which is why it has that sunny SoCal beach highway sound. Right. Um, Randy Goodrum was um, definitely one of the more in-demand producers of the 80s, but he's in the band uh, J.A.R. with Jay Graydon and they are an absolutely amazing band. They really need to finish their uh, the album. They started in like 2018. Like, let's get on it, guys.
0: Mm. okay 29 is a great album this song though to me there's a handful of songs like this on this album where it's just kind of like 80s pop rock kind of filler tunes
1: yes. this is very
0: the, much one of them to me
1: yes this is pure unadulterated adult contemporary
0: mm-hmm. he's like, like
1: a b-list peter satara
0: yeah yeah definitely Like, if if you want to just, if you want to make a movie now that's set in the 80s, you just fill it with songs like this, and it's like it immediately sets the mood.
1: Yeah, like, you don't need Phil Collins and Billy Joel and the Eagles. You'd need this stuff. Exactly. Um, I did kind of like this one, um, although the uh, yee-yee-yee in the chorus, (laughs) he's like, he has a PhD in it. I'm like, you do, but this is such an ugly sound. Like, please don't. Please stop making that yai yeah, yai yeah, yai yeah sound.
0: Yeah, no thanks.
1: <laughs> um, but he actually did write a song for Peter Cetera. He wrote The Next Time I Fall in Love for Peter Cetera and Amy Grant.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. I know that one. Um,
1: he is a frequent soundtrack collaborator at this era. He did the song Take Me, I'll Follow You for Mac and Me. He wrote oh the song "Puerto Rico" for the film Salsa, which I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I haven't heard it, but I'm going to guess he's not the person to write that song. Um, and the sequel to Salsa, he wrote "Every Teardrop," and he wrote recorded a song for "Night of the Comet" called "Never Give You Up" or "Never Give Up." Wow. Yes. Uh, um, see
0: that we we covered "Night of the Comet" on Christmas Creeps, and I don't think I I don't think that song even registered to me.
1: No, it was probably just um, a filler. Yeah. Um, but he died this past March at the Aww. age of 71. So as I said, we lost uh two people from back to school this year.
0: Oh, that's a shame. I you know. We're we're dancing around it because like that the the worst song on the album is up next.
1: Oh, is it?
0: Is it? Cuz at a cer- at a certain point in this bar scene, uh the bar band starts playing Twist and Shout and everything's fine like okay they're playing twist and shout cuts away from them uh you know to his son jason and his lady friend valerie on a date and then it hard cuts back to now thornton's on stage and he's singing twist and shout and that's the next song on the album is rodney dangerfield singing twist and shout
2: let's go to a
0: clip Now I'm I'm only saying this is bad because like on its face you don't want to listen to it, <laughs> but I get the joke and it's very funny.
1: Cool. And um, this song was really having a moment because this song this just two days earlier when the Ferris Bueller. Yes. Think the Beatles version of this. <laughs> so, I don't know how these two movies both decided to do Twist and Shout. But here we are.
0: I know, and of course, the first thing I think of—it's another situation like Teen Wolf two and Dirty Dancing, where they both did "Do You Love Me," and one of them's a lot better than the other. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, sorry.
1: Yes, I like this version.
0: No, I I think it's fun. Like I'm not I'm not putting it down. I'm not saying that it's not funny. It's just like come on it's Rodney Dangerfield not, like he's not a singer and i know that and he knows that but that just makes it funny
1: <laughs> i feel like he has a raw authentic sound like i feel like the the band that's doing it in the movie they sound fake cuz they sound again like super corny bar band and he like brings a gruffness to it that i
0: appreciate okay well i mean i'll, I'll agree with you that the bar band sounds fake cuz they they totally do uh, the my perspective on this is like if you've ever watched the mask singer you can immediately tell when it's an old person in the costume because they sing just like this where like it's not really in time it's not really in time with the music and they're just kind of it's like they're trying to remember the words as they're saying them
2: uh.
0: <laughs> and it's like it's always an old person that sings like this Aww. And I'm not putting down Rodney or any of them. I'm just saying, like, it's he knows what he's doing. So I'm going to give it a pass. <laughs> that's all <laughs> yeah, I'm that's gonna not supposed say.
1: to be like a really good one. But right. I think we are getting to uh, the worst song
0: after the musical number. The football team shows up to beat up Robert Downey Jr. Because Robert Downey Jr. has explained to Jason that he's going to the pep rally to ruin the pep rally because he's an anti football
1: yeah um because he says it's something it's like a direct line to fascism he seems like the kind of guy who would be insufferable on twitter
0: oh absolutely yeah and have you so the movie the movie bottoms is out right now have you seen that movie yet
1: I haven't yet he
0: he is every character in that movie <laughs> because that's their whole thing is like they want to like their whole thing is like they want to start a fight club not just to meet girls but also so they can beat up the football team <laughs> bottoms is a great movie by the way and everybody should go see it but he is exactly that that character and so the football team shows up to beat him up and uh Thornton seeks lou on the football team and lou beats all of them up
1: um and this is all to i'll never forget your face by philip ingram
2: okay let's go to a clip.
1: Well, this is uh, James Ingram's younger brother. You know, this is not, uh, yeah, we'll be there. This is the cheaper version. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they spent so much money on Aretha Franklin, Oingo Boingo, and Michael Bolton that they had to skimp out on the other bands.
0: Yeah, they, they it's, it's almost like they just went outside one day and took a microphone and said, what does the 80s sound like?
1: This one's got like the EP. It's got the drum machine just going so hard, and yeah. I get that this is. I mean, it's it's a very like adrenaline filled song, mm-hmm. not in like a hard rockin' way, but in that like '80s rain slicked sort of dark way. Um, it's, and so it it works for a fight scene, but it would work better if it was like in a scene where like a hotshot private detective has to run from like a drug gang. Through the like dark wet streets of L.A., like it definitely there should be a dark alley involved here.
0: Yeah, this is chase scene music. This is not bar fight music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Oh, so, but it's it's great chase scene music.
0: It's 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 definitely got a good beat to it. That's what I'll, I'll say. But I will be I will admit it passed me by in this. I did not register that this song was playing. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, the worst part is that during this riot, um, somebody gets thrown through the jukebox. Like, no, not the jukebox. No,
0: and that's the, like the hard cut into the scene is like jukebox is dead. Next scene yes. um, where uh, we find out that Thornton has a paper due on Kurt Vonnegut.
1: <laughs>
0: and this is a great joke. I love this. <laughs> uh, and he and his son have a fight because Thornton is not doing any of his own homework.
1: Yeah, he's hiring He's hiring it out to other people.
0: Yeah, to the point where uh, someone knocks on the door, he opens it up. It's Kurt Vonnegut in the flesh.
1: <laughs> to write his paper about Kurt Vonnegut, which is a setup to an amazing
0: joke later Yes, on. absolutely. It's like that on its own is a great joke, but then it comes back later. It's so yes, good.
1: And um, in this time, also, he started dating, what's the teacher's name? Diane. Diane. He started taking Diane out, and there's a scene where she complains that uh, men are too soft since the women's movement. You're like, oh yeah, this movie was written by men. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what women complained about in the eighties. <laughs>
0: <Like>, okay, sure.
1: <laughs>
0: and she's telling this to Rodney Dangerfield, like, okay, okay, whatever. Oh, like, I'm... it's it's already a joke that any woman would be like that would be going up with Rodney Dangerfield, and he knows that. You know, and I'm again. I'm not giving Rodney Dangerfield the due respect that he deserves, <laughs> but I feel like he's he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in. Yeah, you know, so like I, I feel like he's okay with all of this. He's having a good time. But uh, his son Jason chokes during the big swim meet because guess what? Uh, he got his son on the on the swim team, the diving team.
1: Well, No, he or says no. that he got him. Uh, Chaz, our very own William Zabka, 80s, the 80s favorite douche.
0: Oh, yeah. You got um,
1: it. He tells him, your dad bought your way onto the swim team, mm. and Jason chokes.
0: Yeah, it gets into his head a little bit, and yeah. he can't perform. He, he can't dive the way, you, the way you need to. Um, You know, it happens.
1: Yeah. He gets the yips.
0: He gets the yips. Oh, you can't say that. You can't say that. Um, So we get we get the requisite uh, party scenes. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm playing coy here with these.
1: The first song, there's like a boring frat party where they make a point to say that it, they that it's not Halloween
0: because it's right.
1: midterm, which would be Halloween. And everyone's dressed up at the frat party. They're dressed like cavemen, but it's really boring. And we get our next song, which is everybody's crazy.
0: Yeah, but uh, let's go to a clip. Now, if if you had asked me to guess who this was by, I would have been wrong like 10 times in a row.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. I
0: would never in a million years have guessed this was Michael Bolton. Never,
1: I, never in a thousand years would I have guessed that this was Michael Bolton. That blew my mind. And I watched the video and he's like, you know, normal is just what we think of people before we know them or some like some
0: dumb bullshit line.
1: Fortune cookie quote and then goes i was like because i knew that this was everybody's crazy by michael bolton because that's what it said on x-ray yeah on amazon but i wasn't really listening to it yeah um yeah following the scene and then i go to listen to it and i was like i must have the wrong song
0: (laughs) because like i didn't it is very generic like it's supposed to be like boring 80s butt rock that's the whole point of the scene and and nobody's having fun at this party and they're listening to michael bolton's everybody's crazy
1: like yeah he tried to make it i guess he auditioned to be the lead singer of black sabbath
0: oh man i i didn't know that and now my entire world is, like, shattered. Yeah,
1: like, that's what he tried to do before. He was a hard rocker and then pivoted. It wasn't even like, oh, this was a shtick or a bit. That's what he wanted to do.
0: Right. So he had to pivot to, like, adult contemporary because that's where the money went. That's where he found success. Um, You know, I I I can't say that I'm sad for michael bolton cuz he's certainly made his money and made, been, become his own person but uh you know i i'm dancing around it cuz i don't want to say it and i don't want it to be true i'm kind of into this
1: wasn't quite for me because it did sound a little like like too cheesy 80s like it didn't it sounded i, I don't want to say fake
0: no but, like, but it, it just
1: sounded again kind of generic
0: it it is very like white snake uh deaf leopard you know like that brand of hair metal rock like it's you're not wrong but just yeah. the novelty like of it being michael bolton i think puts it over the top
1: looking back on it
0: right right
1: as like Mike, like as we know michael bolton as like when a man loves a woman yeah um but they like people watching this movie would have known michael bolton as like a you know b-tier <laughs> rock guy yeah i think his voice just doesn't go hard enough like it's just not quite there
0: no yeah it, it um, it's it's too soulful i think for the, for that genre of music yeah so it
1: just it needs to be like slightly rougher
0: yeah he's too good is what we're saying
1: he's got the rain yeah
0: yeah definitely. and the
1: emotion it just his voice is just like a little too smooth
0: yeah no, no. when I played this song for Nikki, I did I did the same thing. I was I played the song for her and I was like, can you guess who this is? And it took her a minute. But the thing that she said was, that's the Jack Sparrow guy. It's true. Because he did the Lonely Island song with us. With, yes. Yeah. And like that, I was like, you're absolutely right. Now, now back to the good part.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, but you know who would kill this song? Like, it's weird because like, as I'm watching the video, I'm picturing something completely different. You know who just fucking nailed this song? Who's that? The Rock of Fire explosion.
0: Oh, oh, oh yes.
1: It. Like you could see it, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Much as make-believe band could never.
0: mm And you know what's weird? Like, I, I, when you said that, my first thought was, she's going to say Sammy Hagar, isn't she? <laughs> I was so wrong.
1: that <laughs> been more wrong. But I want you to just, like, close your eyes and picture, like, the Rock Fire explosion singing this song.
0: It's 1986. You're at Showbiz Pizza for your fifth birthday. And the Rock of Fire explosion comes out of the curtain. And they're playing Everybody's Crazy. And your mom is into it. And you're like, what is happening?
1: Well, I remember Munch's make-believe band playing Danger Zone. So, like, one of the few times I was at a Chuck E.
0: Cheese. So Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about Chuck E. Cheese. I I rode by a Chuck E. Cheese today. And I was like, they're still here? Yeah, they're still here.
1: Yes. But that's not here's the, what we're all waiting for. Yeah,
0: that's not the kind of party that everybody wants. Everybody wa- everybody wants to be at Thornton's party. Because guess what? He got Oingo Boingo to play the party.
1: Yes. And it's not merely that they are playing the band that's playing at the party. They have a neon sign that says Oingo Boingo.
0: Just so you're not confused. Yes.
1: They are playing Dead Man's Party. Let's go to a party. boingo songs we have covered on this podcast we've covered so many um this is my favorite of them
0: i agree it's it's honestly the best so so good we've covered it twice now
1: Yes, we have this is actually the reason that i got into oingo boingo Mm -hmm. because obviously my dad's a fan of this movie and i really loved all of danny elfman's work with tim burton Right. So my dad showed me this and bought me, I think it was a soundtrack compilation that had it on there. And so that started like this, this love of Boingo Boingo that carries us even to today. Um, I've actually got their album dark at the end of the tunnel, which was just reissued on vinyl uh, coming. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I picked that up and I just got their last album Boingo. Obviously I have dead man's party. Um, That was a very, very early record Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, I have, I think only a lad, the one that has, um, who do you want to be today? Okay. Or good for your soul. That's the one that has, um, want to be today. But this is like the platonic ideal of an Oingo Boingo song. It's goofy. It's a little spooky. It's got those great horn riffs. And if you don't play this at your Halloween party, you're a monster and I
0: hate you. Oh yeah. No, like the the guitar riff alone is, is, is worth playing like at every opportunity. It's so exactly. good.
1: But like, I I feel like this should be played like on the hour at a Halloween party. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this does get people out on the dance floor. It's very easy to dance to. Yeah. So.
0: I'm, in, I'm into it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so good. And uh, apparently when Danny Elfman does the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas shows at the Hollywood Bowl, he and Steve Bartek play this as the encore.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So they, they finish, they round out uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and then come back out and do uh, Back to School for anybody, any, talk- any Back to School fans out there.
1: Yeah. And um, as we talked about uh, last week, or as we talked about on the last episode, Paul Rubens had joined him for a couple of those. Yeah. To reprise yeah. his role. Um, now, one of the things I do want to talk about with this song is that it marks a really interesting point in Elfman's career. Mm-hmm. Because he's starting to do more film scores, which of course started with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. um, And starting to drift away from the band a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dead Man's Party as an album came out in 1985. The band would release just two more albums with this original lineup. Um, And they would release Boingo in 1994 without the horn section. The band was tighter. Uh, He let Pretty considerable number of band members go and reformed, um, and then disbanded that lineup in 1995 to pursue uh, soundtrack work full time.
0: Uh, okay, I, so
1: this, the, like, even though they're here as the band, they're starting to move away little by little.
0: Kind of their last hurrah is 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 uh
1: not quite because uh, as okay. I said, we do have two more albums oh, yeah, coming from them. Right. But Danny Elfman is starting to pick up more soundtrack work mm-hmm. and less rock and roll
0: and i remember we had talked about that when we talked about uh forbidden zone and so i was watching the dead man's party video trying to count the number of, of band members on stage and I, probably to my detriment because like at this point it's still the whole band right okay so never mind it's, it's the
1: yes it is it is that post mystic knights lineup mm-hmm. okay not the, the theater troupe of forbidden zone but it is um the lineup from only a lad and boingo and gotcha
0: gotcha mm-hmm. now my 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 favorite detail in this scene is that um the cops show up and you think they're gonna they're mm-hmm. here to, you think they're here to break up the party but no they're here to provide beer for the party because they're just trucking in cases of miller light
1: just again like <laughs> light beer really but I feel like Miller Lite was, like, the official beer of the 80s.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: How? Um, it drove all this way, and all you got for me is light beer.
0: <laughs> hey, it's Miller time.
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, this party is, is rocking, and Diane wants to go in, and she catches uh, Thornton in a hot tub with a bunch of babes. She's disappointed in him. Uh, Valerie and J- Jason throws a big fit because he's like, oh, you know, you just buy everything and mm-hmm. you don't care." And um, he fights with Chaz. Uh, but most importantly, Thornton tells Jason that he did not bribe the coach. Right. He got in on his own merit.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that was all on him. That was all his own mm-hmm. doing. I, I, do want to point out that uh, in in the middle of this fight that Diane and Thornton are having, she f- tells him that he's failed uh, his his Kurt Vonnegut paper. And she says, you clearly didn't write it. And whoever did obviously doesn't know the first thing about Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> ah. <laughs>
1: yep, we got our punchline.
0: That's great.
1: It was. I always remembered that. Because as I said, it's been a while since, um, since I saw this. But every time I see a Kurt Vonnegut novel on the shelf, <laughs> I'm just like person who wrote this doesn't know the first thing about Kurt Vonnegut.
0: <laughs> and it goes even further, too, because in the next scene, Thornton's on the phone with Kurt Vonnegut, and he's like, read my lips, Kurt. Fuck you.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, man. Uh, but we're pretty light on on songs until the end credits here, unless there's any that I'm missing.
1: Um. Yeah, I think... I can't think of the them,
0: uh, so. the the end the end game of this film. Then is that you know Thornton has to pass an oral exam from all of his teachers to prove that he deserves to still be in school, and if he, if he can't pass, then he will get kicked out you know permanently. So we have a wacky studying montage where you know he's everyone's trying to get him to read all of his his book his textbooks, reading in the shower, reading while he's getting his uh, massage. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. lying on the floor holding a book for him to read. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's all it's all a very very Danny Elfman esque, uh, score that is playing because it's Danny Elfman, but you're just like, yep, that's Danny Elfman.
0: Yeah, and it's Danny Elfman doing kind of like your stereotypical like college, like pep band kind of music, which which really works I like the score a lot. Yeah. Um, so during you know he does the oral exam, he triumphantly recites, uh, Dylan Thomas's "Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night." And he's able to finish the exams to make it to his son's big diving competition. Yes. And like, this is like the big capper to the film because his, his son has to, has to do, has to do the big dive. And then, uh, Billy Zabka decides to sabotage it by faking an injury and refusing to go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's, who's going to do the big dive at the end? Who can, who can fill these shoes? Why, it's Thornton it's, Mellon.
1: Yes, yeah, because he had mentioned earlier that he had been a diver. And Rodney Dangerfield was actually an acrobatic diver for a while.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yes. So he doesn't, he, I think he does this dive, but obviously not fully.
0: Right. Because um, like it's, it, it's, it's a very silly stunt. So obviously Rodney Dangerfield's not doing it.
1: But um, but I think he does like the the initial, and he was he was a high diver. So. Oh,
0: okay, and they set it up too at the very beginning because like he's jumping into the pool and he does like a a, a double flip and and dive into the pool. So you're like, oh, okay, something. This guy yeah. is a an athlete of some kind.
1: The triple Lindy.
0: That's what he calls it. The, where it, which is basically just him bouncing on all three diving boards.
1: Up, uh, um, and he doesn't want to do it official uh, initially. And he's like, I can't swim. He had a great line um, that made Ian laugh, where he says, you know, you could donate my body to science fiction. <laughs> Which is just another great Rodney Dangerfieldism.
0: That's good. That's really good.
1: But he completes the dive and he gets to give the speech. So at graduation,
0: we don't ever do this, but uh, we're going to let the freshman deliver the speech. But because, again because he's such a big donor to the school they're going to let him do the big commencement speech at the end and, and, and keep in mind he's still a freshman at the time so that's whatever um, but then his Same big process. speech I'll, I'll put the clip in here because I kind of love it thinking about it in 2023
2: to all you graduates as you go out
0: into the world my advice to you is don't
2: go it's rough out there Move, move back, back with to your parents let them don't
0: worry about, about it. it it was a joke then it's not really a joke anymore uh, <laughs> god and uh, oh, they throw the caps in the air and it freeze frames on ruddy doing a thumbs up and aretha franklin takes us to the end credits uh yes this is respect and what more is there to say let's go to a clip
1: Obviously, I love this song oh yeah it's iconic but it feels super out of place here
0: really really does
1: like that this is not what that song's about no at all and so to use it in this movie where a white guy manages to more or less fail upwards and learns like a slight lesson about a love of learning I think it feels just like such a
0: joke hey wait I, wait a minute I get the joke now
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just i don't know like it feels like a joke on her music I, and i like i guess it's good that they got a black woman on a completely male-dominated soundtrack but true
0: but at, at what cost yeah but like i i do realize now that the whole joke is roddy dangerfield doesn't get any respect until the very end when they play respect over the end credits
1: yes like, okay and that... Okay. Play that as your outro music for your stand-up routine. Like, it just, it does not fit here.
0: And it makes me wonder, like, if initially they had asked somebody to cover Respect, and then Rodney was like, no, just buy the original, which, you know, or buy the Aretha Franklin version, you know? No idea. I have no clue.
1: Uh, But, yeah, it's just, mm, no. it's,
0: It's a very odd choice. And, you know, like we said, there's there's really nothing. Respect is such an unimpeachable, great track. Like we can't say enough about it. But mm-hmm. here, what is it doing here?
1: It's not great.
0: It is. No, it is not great. Um, Now, I neglected to ask you if Dead Man's Party was your favorite song on the album. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: OK, I assume it's yours as well you know what let's say it was and let's say it definitely wasn't everybody's crazy
1: okay <laughs> so but we've got a couple more songs mm-hmm. um we have two that we didn't talk about okay so they are both by tyson and schwartz yeah
0: tyson and schwartz uh the first track is learning and living let's go to a clip so
1: much knowing
2: not enough loving
1: This is the worst song in the album. Not a fan, hands down. I I get it lyrically; it works, mm-hmm. and they they did that with uh, "Educated Girl," um, with "Back to School." Like they they kept a theme, but it this is like something you'd sing in high school choir, yeah, or like <laughs> it be it appear like halfway through Act Two of Freedom Writers the musical. <laughs> where Aaron falls in love with like a fellow teacher who initially dismissed her unorthodox ways of connecting with these kids. Like they would sing this together and then kiss <laughs> in the teachers' lounge or something.
0: Yeah, like, like did they want this to be like the love theme between Thornton and Diane or something?
1: No, but it's terrible. It's no,
0: no, 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 no.
1: Especially because Eddie Schwartz um, co-wrote "Hit Me with Your Best Shot." Oh, man. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. So this guy definitely knows his way around a good tune, but this ain't it, Chief.
1: Exactly. And then David Tyson actually produced Jude Coles, A View from Third Street in
0: 1990. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about this because it's just it's in one air and out the other for me.
1: Yeah, I Like, like it was not merely filler i actively hated it <laughs> it was just like it was like if you were told to write like a parody of a michael bolton song or like write a, one in the style of a michael bolton song so we can use it to sell notebooks at back to school like this would be it
0: right like we don't need ai to generate this crap just pay somebody ten dollars to do it
1: yeah that's it really did feel like it was again just super super irritatingly generic
0: Right, so. so uh, nothing nothing to say there. Uh,
1: nothing to see second, here. Uh, their second song, um, which again, I couldn't find on the soundtrack, was uh, On My Way. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is a little better, a little more poppy with the goofy horns, but it's still just like that vaguely Broadway style filler music.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's more up-tempo. It's more more of the speed of the soundtrack and I think it, this, the film needs songs like that but again I, I think they hit seven songs and realized like we need two more we need something to fill this out and I don't think they ever had any intention of putting these in the film
1: I do appreciate their commitment to the school
0: theme like oh, yeah, they really
1: yeah. like they, they they stuck to that But you know where the song would really fit where's that Shrek <laughs> Of, like, I don't know, like Sugar Ray or some OMC or just again, some other like sort of generic 90s band, like, Mm -hmm. covered it. Like, you could, it works, it would actually work in like in Shrek,
0: you know. Some, if, if some, if some band, like, oh, I don't know, the Proclaimers did a song (laughs) I mean, and they uh, that would be perfect which you know guess what they did it's called i'm on my way it's on the shrek soundtrack
1: yeah i actually have that a very similar (laughs) note just like of the of songs called on my way the proclaimers have the better ones i agreed yeah you and i are on the same way
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right that's back to school everybody i don't know what to tell you about this um Really love the the one go boingo track. Surprised by the Michael Bolton track, and that's yeah, I, pretty much it for me.
1: I liked the Jude Cole song. That was probably my second favorite.
0: Yeah the 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 theme song uh, by Jude Cole, Back to School, was pretty good. Pretty good.
1: It was hard. I respect that.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so um, yeah. definitely a movie not necessarily known for its soundtrack, despite having, you know, a kick and theme song and two. Pretty great musical moments, but I think the twist and shout uh scene gets forgotten about. Given that Matthew Broderick kind of gets that one, we're yeah. going to give that to Ferris Bueller.
0: Yeah, if we if we if we're putting him head to head, Ferris Bueller wins that one pretty easily. But I, I do appreciate Rodney Dangerfield giving it his best shot here, though. So,
1: yes, and um, obviously the Oingo Boingo scene uh extremely iconic and actually uh shows up in the music video
0: yeah yeah um i think is is that the last time we'll we will be encountering oingo boingo on this podcast are there oh are there any other soundtrack cuts from them
1: Don't no, i feel like there are there have to so be. but we may not get to them right i feel like stay is on a soundtrack so
0: so that's yeah that's back to school everybody it's an it's a fun soundtrack uh, a couple of good songs on it but uh uh Libby what's next for the OST party?
1: Uh, we're going to continue uh it would be our third film in the Fraser Fest series. Uh and that is 1994's With Honors, keeping also in our back to school theme.
0: Oh uh, heck yeah. You know we, <laughs> the schools in session and we should probably do a whole trilogy of school movies now that we're we're in the thick of it.
1: Sure, why not? We'll
0: we'll, we'll see about that but uh until then, uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter, at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Blue Sky, under the same name. I'm sort of making that transition away from Twitter, as so mm. many of us are. I'm also on Instagram, at record underscore Saturday, or you can wind down the Misbehaven podcast with us. Um, our our season, uh, season three finale has posted.
0: Ah, yes, yeah, right. It,
1: It will by the time this has come out. So where can they find you, Joe?
0: You can find me on uh, Blue Sky and Twitter and Instagram, all the socials at Cordial Wombat. Uh, Or if you want to listen to me yell about Christmas movies, I'm at Christmas Creeps on Twitter and Blue Sky, etc. We are gearing up for Home for the Horror Days soon, and I'm very excited. Uh, because that is that's the that's the season where i get to make brad watch scary christmas movies and he does not like it at all (laughs) (laughs) but we have a good time and if you want to send us anything whatsoever you can uh, tweet at us at ost party we'll put the poll for this episode up there as soon as it's as soon as it's ready and uh, we're also on blue sky at ost party now and you can email us anything at all questions or comments or suggestions at ostpartypod at gmail.com
1: yes Uh, hope to
0: see you there absolutely so for the ost party i'm joseph wade i'm libby cudmore buy the ticket take the ride